You shut up. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Good evening. It is Tuesday, April 7th. My name is Dave Gonzalez. I'm here alone in Denver, Colorado, as Joanna has gone to Metropolis to, uh, I don't know, oversee reconstruction efforts. This is going to be a loose podcast. Uh, We didn't want to leave you with nothing. Uh, Next week, Joanna and I are starting our Storm of Spoilers podcast, so we will only be back to do special episodes of the Thought Bubble. Uh, I almost guarantee you there's going to be one for Netflix Daredevil, because, I mean, I'm already staring down the barrel of having two days uh, with that before uh, Game of Thrones shows up, and I kind of feel like I have to binge watch it all as one, like, 13-hour movie. Speaking of comics, finally, and comic-related media, we got news today that the Age of Ultron will not have a post credit scene. It will have a tag, says Kevin Feige, which will be a scene that takes place after a little bit of the credits, what we've been calling, I guess, like a mid credit scene, but it will not have a post credit scene because they cannot top the shawarma scene. They also mentioned, he and Joss Whedon, in this interview they gave with, I believe, Entertainment Weekly, that Captain Marvel will not be in the movie. There is a secret female character uh, that hasn't really been mentioned around Avengers Age of Ultron, but it is not Captain Marvel. She will not be teased at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron, which I think I might have said was the last time I heard anything about it was something like that. So I'm going to write that up for I didn't get my hopes too far up, although uh, it's nice to know that uh, Linda Cardinelli and Julie Delpy are in Avengers Age of Ultron. One of them will be uh, the Black Widow's teacher. I'm now hoping that is Delpy, uh, because who doesn't want to see her do some crazy takedowns, martial arts style. On the other side of the news, uh, Batman v Superman, there is rumors that we are going to see Robin's costume. It is Jason Todd's Robin costume in the Batcave from El Mayimbe at Latino Review. Uh, Jason Todd, of course, is the Robin that the Joker beats to death, and this is apparently going to be what causes the rift between the Joker and Harlequin in Suicide Squad. Uh, Jared Leto has stopped playing with his band 30 Seconds to Mars and has gone up to Canada where he's gotten a nice shave and a haircut and is getting ready to play the Joker in David Ayer's Suicide Squad up there. 
Elsewhere in the news, the Rousseau brothers are officially doing Infinity War now, and Ryan Reynolds is shooting Deadpool and actually looks like uh, Wade Wilson scarred up up there in Canada. Lots of superhero action happening in Canada. We've gotten a request to save Flash and Arrow spoilers towards the end of the show. I think probably the better thing to do would be to not address them at all at this point, since we're about to take a short break and a lot is going to be revealed on both of these shows. Uh, The Flash did a WonderCon panel, which also included a WonderCon trailer, which included footage from the upcoming episodes at the end of the first season, and of course a Gorilla Grodd. So we'll embed that in the show notes so you could watch it for yourself and think amongst yourselves. I don't want to just sit here and think things for you because it would just be a lot of, oh my God, repeating like it will be in your head when you watch it right, right now maybe. Um, But elsewhere in our CW show fandom, uh, Joanna wanted to phone in from her secret Metropolis location and talk about her favorite subject, Felicity on Arrow. Joanna? So I wanted to take this opportunity to talk a little bit more about uh, the character Felicity on Arrow, who's a character that we've talked about a lot already. We've spent a lot of time talking about her and and what a problem she is, and maybe the problem of Felicity is one of the biggest problems that Arrow's facing right now. Um, And you had hypothesized, Dave, earlier that uh, Felicity would take on the role of Coulson, sort of the Coulson of this new uh, DC TV universe, and bop around from even more from Arrow to Flash to uh, the new spinoff series, and Stephen Amell recently said something that confirmed that, possibly. He said it wasn't a main character, and it's hard, I'm hard-pressed to think of Felicity as not a main character, but um, if they're going to pick one character to be the Coulson, Felicity makes sense. Maybe Diggle, but, but Felicity makes the most sense. And, and so the question then is, how is this going to solve our Felicity problem? And I think the answer has to be... Um, it just extracts her from this really very toxic um, Oliver Felicity relationship that we've been seeing and uh, puts her back in the Girl Friday role to a number of people which we really like. And I, I would like most of all to see her not involved with Barry, not involved with Oliver, not involved with any of the rogues or Adam or any of that and just doing her thing. She can she can have a boyfriend if she wants, but I don't I don't need that to be a central um spotlight. And the episode this last week, um with uh Brandon Rouse in the hospital and her mom showing up and this whole talk about Oliver being her true love and all of this was just frustrating. It it sort of threw the brakes on uh, a decent episode I thought and and a kind of redemption arc for Arrow. And, and so if their solution for Felicity is to remove her from the main role, but keep her integral to all these other shows, I, I just think that's really smart and great and and good recognizing when you've made an error, putting a character. That being said, it could be like, I don't know, Roy. It could be anyone. I, I don't know. <laughs> it might not be Felicity, but, but I think we all agree that this might be the best the best option for this character who we like um, but maybe got too much of a good thing. Um, I think those are my only thoughts right now. Might be a bit redundant. Uh, I'll call back if I have anything else. <laughs> Strikes my fancy. All right, bye. Yeah, I think extraditing Felicity from her romance by making her a Coulson would be great, and it would be 
basically the opposite of what they did on what Marvel's Agents of Shield, where they tried to give Coulson that cellist romance, and it was just for a really dud of an episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm less concerned about Felicity now that the rest of Arrow is heating up with Adam and we're coming up on some crossover episodes, which are sure to be fun. Uh, but yeah, Felicity is still my choice for the uh, pivot piece for these other uh, universes that are going to sprout around uh, the Arrow universe. And I think the fact that she worked so well with the Flash and is doing so well with the Atom um, makes her a good candidate uh, I don't want her to constantly have to be romantically involved with the new person that she's launching, but if that's what it takes to get her off, yeah, that's the, that was the wrong phrasing. <clears throat> and now to emails. This one, Josh from Seattle, says, Recently we heard the rumor that Marvel has secretly cast a Carol Danvers for Captain Marvel. A few weeks before that, I remember hearing a rumor that Sony was holding secret auditions for Spider-Man at someone's house in an attempt to keep up the deception. Both of these things sound interesting and potentially awesome. I love a good surprise, as much as I'm an addict for spoilers and news. So the idea that we might actually see a Captain Marvel or unmasked Spider-Man in Age of Ultron is really exciting. But still, I have doubts. How realistic do you think secret casting actually is in the current day and age? Comic book movies are just about the biggest thing out there right now, or maybe a close second to Star Wars. How possible is it they managed to keep something like that a secret and will continue to keep it a secret up until the release of Avengers Age of Ultron? I would think that they have managed to cast Captain Marvel or Spider-Man already, we would know. Somewhere, someone would have ferreted out the actual information and posted it across the internet. So, what do you two think? Good opinions, Joanna. Here's what I think. Uh, at the time that you wrote this to us, Josh, we still thought that Captain Marvel can maybe uh, show up in Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, she isn't. Instead, we got uh, two actresses for parts we don't know about. So the parts are secret. The actors aren't. I'm trying to think about a situation marketing-wise where you would not want to make the most out of a banner character like Captain Marvel. Uh, if Spider-Man is alluded to or shows up in Age of Ultron, which now that we know there's not a end credit scene seems less likely to me, um, it would just be that, an illusion. You want to save your big reveals when you can uh, for the mediums where they're the focus. Uh, Captain Marvel in her main movie. That's why I think like maybe we're going to see someone show up uh, like a wasp or a sky quake. Sky quake. Sky quake. Anyway, uh, and uh, as far as I know, there have been secret auditions for Spider-Man, yes. Uh, but uh, when that is actually cast, I think we'll know about it uh, before someone shows up on the Civil War set. But if not... Uh, we'll know about it when they show up on the Civil War set, because you're right. There are people out there ferreting out that actual information. Sometimes I'm one of them. Other times I just talk to those people. But everybody has their ear to the proverbial ground. This email is from Lance. Hello, guys. I kind of have a two-part question, but both involving the same subject. Do you guys think there will ever be another movie version of Dune? I haven't read the book or seen the movie, but I'm curious about the story. The vibe that I get is the book is great, but the movie not so much. If you said no, I'm curious as to why it will never happen. My other question is, what is a failed either comic or nerdy show that you would like to see brought back in some, some way? Love the podcast since day one. Keep those spoilers coming. Lance. Will do, Lance. Um, the Dune book is great. 
Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be as great for you uh, as a reader as it was for me, since it's like an old classic science fiction book, and all I have to do is just Google, you know, just the Godzilla scenes from Godzilla on YouTube, and I'm basically good for an evening these days with our media saturation. But as in terms of like science fiction books, Dune is amazing. Uh, yeah, the movie and screen adaptations haven't been able to capture that, but like really the adaptations that have been able to capture uh, books as sweeping as Dune are few and far between. Uh, You could try Frank Herbert's Dune. It was a TV miniseries from 2000. It's not great, but it'll give you more of an outline to the overall story of Dune than what you have now. The 1984 David Lynch film is notable as a David Lynch film that's sort of a misfire, not necessarily a Dune adaptation. But you'll get the worm, the spices, there are connections stuck in your head, and the fat boy slim song weapon of choices chorus. If you walk without rhythm, then you won't attract the worm. And then there's a documentary, Jodorowsky's Dune, which might be one of the greatest documentaries about a film that was never made. Lost in La Mancha is boring, but that has very little to do with the overall story of Dune as well. I think you have to read it. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. The first time I read all the John Carter stories was right before the movie came out, and I loved those. So maybe classic sci-fi isn't as dry as I made it out to be. Um, TV show-wise, or I guess it would be comic or nerdy show, uh, I'd like to see another live-action tick, uh, but not the one that we thought we were getting. I would like one with the original uh, writing staff and cast. Uh, but all those guys sort of went on to make the Venture Brothers, which is still going on and which I love. So I guess I can't really ask for the live-action tick. I just wish there was more episodes. Um, and then outside of that, uh, Guillermo del Toro was going to revive the Incredible Hulk TV series uh, around uh, the time the Incredible Hulk movie uh, came out. But then Marvel went all MCU, and that did not include a Hulk TV series by Guillermo del Toro uh, because, you know, they had to shoot him into space and stuff. Um, but yeah, I kind of I think that would have been awesome. I think TV could maybe do Hulk better than they did uh, before, especially with uh, TV shows like Flash doing ultra cool special fix things. But yeah, read Dune books. Read books. This one is from Anton in Stockholm, and as we've recently learned, it got passed internationally through Google, so the NSA can read all of it. But just in case you are not the NSA. Hey guys, just got into the podcast through Joanna's Game of Thrones podcast, and I really enjoy it. Keep up the awesome work. Awesome taste in podcasts, Anton. Being from Stockholm, Sweden, I was raised on a diet of American comics, Donald Duck, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures. The TMNT were called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles here, though, due to the word ninja being too violent, and Spider-Man. But there was one character who was bigger than anyone in Sweden, and that is Lee Fox the Phantom. It had been having two titles monthly in print here since the 50s. That is more than any Marvel or DC property. I wonder about the Phantom status in both in the U.S., though. Is he still around? Is he connected to any special universe? I seem to recall him as part of the superhero team in the cartoon in the 90s. And what do you think of the live-action movie starring Billy Zane? Weird fact, the Phantom is and always has been blue in Sweden and not purple. Don't know why. Anyway, thanks for a great podcast. Anton in Stockholm. Hey, Anton. You sent me on my favorite Google worm. Google hole? Worm? Wormhole? Earworm hole? I know that would involve a song, but I looked into why Lee Fox's Phantom is so big in Sweden, and I fell into a whole bunch of Swedish comics publishing history that I never like thought of before. I mean, first of all, the Phantom, even in the U.S., just as a character in pulp comics, is huge. Uh, from a visual standpoint, if not from an amazing run standpoint, since Fox is still writing the character, I think up to 1999 when he died, 
Uh, he was also the first hero to wear a spandex bodysuit, that purple one that you mentioned, and I believe the first one to wear a face mask. Uh, that whited out his eyes so he didn't have pupils or irises. Uh, the movie was horrible. It made me want to ring, but that's really it, and it's Billy Zane's saddest, non-covered-with-shit-in-back-to-the-future moment. As for why the Phantom is blue and not purple over there in Sweden, it turns out that when you guys started printing the American stories as uh, Phantom Men, I probably screwed that up. Um, I'm only partially Scandinavian in my heritage, so I'd gotten out of the accents. Uh, they would have had to run the printer, uh, the pages through the printer a second time to get the Phantom to be purple, so it was decided to make him blue. And he just was. Uh, they printed as many American stories as they get their hands on through the 1950s. And then in 1963, a whole bunch of writers started writing their own Phantom stories, uh, the Scandinavian uh, Phantom Men stories. And it's focused sort of around the same character idea, whereas the American Phantom was sort of always that guy in purple. Uh, the Phantom Men comics uh, would go back and talk about older phantoms since this is something that's passed down through the lineage and the character. Uh, there are still Swedish-only phantom in stories, and uh, your version of the phantom has a much richer history than our American version who's kind of faded away. Um, I'm not exactly sure. He's not a part of any uh, main house comic book group. I think he might... Uh, I'm not sure of the status of his copyright. I know my favorite uh, phantom throwback is, once again, I've already mentioned Venture Brothers this episode, but Phantom Limb in Venture Brothers dresses like him and acts sort of snooty like him and is uh, the product of a long lineage of uh, phantoms. So uh, that's a nice nod historically. Um, anyway, there's so much more to learn about uh, Team Phantomin. Uh, these guys that just took this American character and made it uh, its own for uh, Scandinavia and um, to different publishing houses and everything. I am going to link to it in the show notes because it's just like the beginning of talking about this. I would love to revisit Swedish Phantom in the future. Thanks, Anton. And it wouldn't be the last thought bubble before the hiatus without an email from Brian from Morch County, who says, I was wondering what each of your thoughts were on the Deadpool film getting an R rating. Personally, I think it's risky because the studio is then alienating an age demographic that might find Deadpool appealing, namely 13 to 17 year olds. Additionally, since Deadpool breaks the fourth wall, it'd be fun to see Deadpool's frustration with being in a PG-13 film, his language constantly being bleeped out, the camera panning away during the hyperviolence, and black bars showing up over the gore. Also, I assume this means the more detestable parts of Deadpool's personality, for me being extreme overt sexism and childish behavior will be front and center, which makes me uncomfortable. Secondly, what is your take on Hugh Jackman's one last time tweet with a picture of Wolverine's claws? There seems to have been a mild amount of confusion as to what it meant. I took it as the Wolverine sequel will be his last, please be an adaptation of the Old Man Logan storyline. And since he did the Wolverine and Days of Future Past back to back, couldn't he do the character, couldn't he do the same with Apocalypse and the third Wolverine film? It makes sense, given the crazy shape he gets into for the role, and it means that even though he may be going back to the character one last time, he will get to be Wolverine in at least two more films, not counting any cameos he might have. Deadpool. Hello again, Brian. On Deadpool, I agree that a Deadpool PG-13 film could be done and that there would be a way around it, especially with the violence being as okay as it is for PG-13 okay PG movies these days. Blah, blah, blah. 
However, the stuff that happens in the actual existing Deadpool st- script, like the stuff with Colossus that I've referenced before or alluded to before, might actually get funnier with a bit more violence. Either way, the R rating on Deadpool is mostly going to change the world around Deadpool and the kind of low lowlifes that he tangles with. The Deadpool that's at the center that Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds will be playing hasn't really changed that much. Um, from his comic adaptation and I don't think will be as disgusting as early Deadpool uh, was just sort of from a character standpoint Uh, then again the character could go a little bit dark but at the end this is a Fox X-Men universe movie so I would say light R but maybe just for a few things a few fucks or what what have you Uh, it's a Fox movie Fox X-Men movie it can't alienate anybody. You're right. Uh, it's, it needs those 13 to 17-year-olds. Not that anybody checks my ID anymore because I have a very thin mustache, but, you know, not everybody's that lucky. Uh, meanwhile, James Manvigold uh, did confirm that the one last time a Hugh Jackman Wolverine tweet was about Wolverine 3. That's why I only had one claw on. It was 3, just like the X3 poster. Thought that was so clever. Uh, but you can't trust actors to tell you when they'll show up as characters or not. Um, basically, all they could do is quit, and Hugh Jackman's not quitting right now. Uh, there's always a chance for more cameos and side roles. I mean, Hugh Jackman could fly by Canada right now and appear in two X-Men movies. Uh, he might. Uh, it makes a lot of financial sense for him to show up in Apocalypse and in Deadpool, uh, just like he showed up in First Class. A Hugh Jackman movie makes it an uh, X-Men movie, at least for right now. Uh, but Wolverine also hits pretty early in 2017, so I think the timing of the Instagram post was just Jackman starting his workout, prepping to shoot Wolverine 3 in the fall. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Thought Bubble. Hit me with some closing music. You can find the rest of our episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. You could find Joanna somewhere in the world, but at least on Twitter at Joe Wrote This, me at DA7E. Times with my first name, Dave Gonzalez. I'm also at Forbes.com, Geek.com, and Latino-Review.com. Joanna Robinson is at VanityFair.com slash Hollywood. Vanity Fair is Hollywood. Much more prestigious than all the things that I just said. Um, we also do a podcast called uh, Storm of Spoilers that's going to start next week. You can find that at FightingInTheWarroom.com slash GotSpoilers. And then make sure to be swinging by Batman v Superman Enter the Night. Uh, com to be checking for my Secret Wars reading list as soon as I know exactly what that is. Jonathan Hickman's been saying some really interesting stuff about Doctor Doom, but doing it in a very Hickman way that I can't decode, so I'm just going to wait to read it. That and more convergence from me coming back after Daredevil's Netflix and Game of Thrones. Oh man, guys, there's so much good stuff coming. Oh man, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh man. Man, it's awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening, and send us any questions to bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. It may take us a while to get to them, but we will read them. Boom. That's a wrap on volume one of the Thought Level.